Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and we know where he is right now. He's just sitting there. Grow a mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the best way to say that word. It does. It sounds like a... We'll get to it, obviously. This sounds like a very spooky, ominous thing to carve on a tree. Yeah, especially because it was carved on a tree. Yeah. By missing people, vanished people. People are like, what? But historians are like, yeah. That's <laughs> exactly wait. how you say it. <laughs> I can't wait for this one. Uh, well, you're right here. You don't have to wait. Let's experience No, it. I was saying the historians are saying that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Chuck. Yes. Have you ever been to Roanoke, Virginia? I've been through there, yeah. And like a dummy, I thought that might have been where the settlement was. Well, it's not just you, man. I wrote this article. Yeah. Uh, what happened to Lost Colony at Roanoke. Yeah. And I forgot that it wasn't Roanoke, Virginia. What we're talking about is Roanoke, North Carolina, which is an island that's part of the Outer Banks. Yeah, very lovely. And Ro- Virginia was very heavily settled, so it's not like you know, it wasn't Roanoke, Utah. Right. So I'm giving ourselves a break for getting that confused. I bet a lot of people think it might be Virginia. Well, plus also the Roanoke colony was um, the first uh, English settlement in the New World. And Roanoke, Virginia is not too far away from it. Yeah. They moved on to Jamestown to found that that was the first successful uh, English colony. Right. Gets all the press. Yeah. Um, So you can, you know, understand why you or anybody else, including me, would think we were talking about Roanoke, Virginia. Sure. But. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Roanoke, North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, it was settled in uh, three waves, and all three of them were at the behest of one guy named Sir Walter Raleigh. Yeah. Sir Walter Raleigh had something that a lot of other people wanted. He was born a commoner. Chutzpah. That, pride. Yeah. Um, he was damnably proud, I understand. Yeah. A biography um, cites him as. To his... Uh decline and eventual beheading yeah uh, but he was a big favorite of queen elizabeth the first and he was a member of her court and she gave him the patent to any english settlement in the new world like he had it wide open as long as there weren't other christians settled on a, a piece of land yeah he could have a, a crack at it and get he would own it well she was very concerned about the native peoples though right no. No. Okay. Sorry, I, I was I had that confused. No, it was specifically other Christians. So basically, she was saying like the Spaniards are already there in Florida. Steer clear of those guys. Yeah. The French, they're into like beaver pelts, so they're probably going to be a little north. Maybe you should go to North Carolina. Go try that. Sure. And so Raleigh did. He he didn't go. He went later on, but um, he sent a first wave, an expedition, uh, in early fifteen eighty something. Yes. <laughs> I don't have the date there for this one, but the first- I think 1585. That was the first real attempt at a settlement. The first one was just like an expedition, like just to go check out oh, okay. the place. So pre, pre-1585. Right. So 1585, that was the first attempt to actually settle the island of it, Roanoke. Yeah, and it was just dudes Yeah. Um, on this trip. It wasn't like um, families and kids and things like that. It was just some dudes. Yep. Ad- uh, adventurous guys. A lot of them soldiers- among them was a guy named John White, who was an artist who ended up making a lot of the, well, the first maps of the New World, the first yeah. English maps. 
uh, were drawn by John White, and he was really good at it. Yeah, and I think he was promised um, 500 acres in the end. Like, hey, if you go set this thing up and it takes, you can pick out 500 choice acres for yourself. Yeah. So he's like, a lot of land. It's a good deal. Let's go. Yeah. And John White was a pretty good guy from what I understand. Um, the problem was he wasn't leading that 1585 expedition. He was just a member of it. Yeah. Uh, he, the guy who was leading it was a dude named Ralph Lane. And Ralph Lane was a really brutal jerk. Yeah. Um, initially, the Indians, the local uh, tribes, the Sakodan tribe, Right. Yeah. They were friendly to the the first expeditionary group. The first um, planters is what they're called. Yeah. To their detriment, of course. Yeah. So Ralph White routinely holds their leaders hostage in exchange for food, kills indiscriminately. Yeah. Even though they're relying on these very people to teach them the ways and how to grow these new crops and things that they had no idea about. How to survive there. Right. They depended on them and killed them at the same time. Right. Well, eventually, after a while, the Sakodan tribe said, you know what? To hell with you, buddy. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. And uh, after that, the the hundred, I think it was a hundred people, right? For the- uh, 1585 expedition? Yes, a hundred men. Yeah. After 10 months, they were like, we need food and we're going to die, so let's just go back to England. Yeah. Should have waited. Yeah, because I think like two two weeks later, yeah, a supply ship came. Yeah, so they would have been okay. Yeah, they would well, have been at least. But at the, the same being. right at the same time, they were basically at war with the surrounding like all the surrounding tribes. Not all of them were friendly off the bat, but by the end of the ten months, all of them hated uh, this this group of one hundred Englishmen. Yeah. So they leave. They go back, and Raleigh's like. It was a pretty good attempt, but I think we can do better. Maybe we need some women, some children. And John White, I like the cut of your jib, so you lead this one. Yeah, let's just make a go of it as like a real settlement. Not just adventuring dudes, but let's really try and settle this place as a colony yep. of families and people. Yes. So uh, the 1587 expedition is what it's called. was, uh, I think, 118 people, including John White, led by John White, who was now the governor. Yeah. And uh, they came back, and they were actually not supposed to stay at Roanoke. It was obvious to everybody this was a bad place to be. The Indians hated everybody. Yeah, well, wouldn't I? Well, I guess it was sort of obvious. Um, it was not, so it wasn't a safe place to be. And I think they originally intended to move a little further up into the Chesapeake, but they yes. ended up in Roanoke Island, I guess, to check on some uh, soldiers. Yeah, and. We'll get to the little mystery. There's a little mystery there that we'll get to later, right? Uh huh. On why they stayed there. Right. Okay. We should say that there were soldiers on Roanoke because that supply ship that came two weeks later uh-huh. uh, left 15 men to keep an English presence in the New World. Yeah, and I think all they found was the bones of one body, right? Yeah. One single body. And the other 14 were missing. Missing and gone. But that was not the lost colony of Roanoke. Oh, no. No, no. That was just some <laughs> soldiers. No, the uh, 117. I think you said 118. Is it, it says 117. Well, I, I Is that including that he, White or not? No, I think it wasn't because White was heard from again. So I think it was 118 at least. Okay. Um, give or take, let's say. <laughs> they settle there. They build their little two-story cottages. Yeah. Um, they meet some friendlies. Yeah, they actually turned the tide and made the uh, Sakodan tribe 
nice again. Yeah. They met some not so friendlies that tended to just sort of leave them alone, though, at least at first. Yeah. And they traded also with the Powhatan, who were um, on an island called Croton. Yeah, which is now Hatteras. Right. Um, and Croton, like we said, we'll figure in here in a second. Yeah. So they were doing pretty well. Um, but they were in for hard times right off the bat. They arrived in July, which is past the planting season. So they had no crops right off the bat. Yeah, which is later than they were supposed to arrive, which is part of the mystery that is yet to be revealed. Yes. Again, they um, were initially confronted with hostile Indians. They managed to turn the tide. Um, but there were some delightful things that happened. For example, uh, John White's granddaughter, Virginia Dare, became the first English child born in the New World. Yeah, delightful for a moment. Um, <laughs> tragic in the end. Yeah. Uh, but um, even though they did make friends with the uh, Powhatans, they were essentially dependent on England still, which is important because without that, John White might have stayed. If they would have been fully self-sufficient at that point, mm-hmm. he might have stuck around. And um, although he may have met the same uh, mysterious fate as the other lost survivor or lost uh, folks. Yeah, and I think that the the mystery might not have been quite as mysterious without John White to report it initially. Yeah, maybe so. So he leaves to go back to England um, the same year that the 1587 colony was established, and they say that um, to get provisions. Right. Yeah. They say that he was delayed in getting back because it, it, the. English and the Spanish went to war. Yeah, dude, it took him three years. Three years. He finally got back in 1590. Like, I don't know what he expected. Did he expect, like, them to be thriving? And I guess that's what he was hoping for. I'm sure he was hoping for it, but I'll bet at the very least he was expecting for some evidence of what became of them. Or something. When he landed in, in 1590 back on uh, Roanoke, he was confronted with a a mystery that's lasted for 400-something Years, 423 years. Yes. What he arrived back to was no people, no bones, no bodies, no clothing, no supplies, no buildings. Yeah. No nothing except for, what, the remnants of a a wall or a fort? A fort that hadn't been there when he left. So they had assembled a fort in that. that, And basically a fort meaning just some pikes surrounding the settlement. The problem was the settlement was gone. Everything. Like, not, there weren't burned out shells. No. There weren't uh, tumbled down buildings. He said his quote was that they'd been taken down. Yeah, so they yeah. disassembled the buildings. Yeah, it wasn't like um, any signs of uh, of a war had gone on right. and that there was a massacre that had taken place and that they burned their huts and, you know, assaulted the people and killed them and left their bones. It was like they just. Left. Right. So there was no evidence of murder. There was no evidence of um, of a hasty exit. There was no evidence that they were following fish around the country. <laughs> right. <laughs> Had they settled in Vermont, maybe. You know, no patchouli. Right. Um, and there was no sign of distress. Apparently, they had a an agreed-upon symbol for if John White came back and they were under duress or had been under duress. They yeah. were supposed to carve a Maltese cross in the... Somewhere. Right. Well, they didn't carve a Maltese cross. They carved Croatoan. So they had an opportunity to carve something. And they didn't carve the distress signal. They carved Croatoan. Yeah, which to me, and if I was John White, I would think the same thing. That means, hey, no distress. I guess they went to Croatoan. Where the Indians that 
we were friendly with lived. Yeah, it makes good sense. And I think it was Croatone in one tree and then C-R-O. In a post on the fort. Just Crow. Yeah. But it didn't say like Crow. Like they're like, uh. no, nothing like that. <laughs> okay. No, it was more just like, ah, oh, we already carved it once. Yeah. Or maybe those that they had a carving race. <laughs> maybe so. You know, Goody Johnson carved it quickly. Yeah, Virginia Dare is <laughs> terrible at carving. Well, because so, she was three. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, you should never put a three-year-old up against a, an adult good wife. Yeah. Or never give a three-year-old a knife. Yeah. I think that's the key. So, um, so John White is like, okay, well, this is really weird. Everybody's vanished. Yeah, he's probably sad. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, okay, I'm going back to England. He had a very, um, history has not necessarily treated John White well. Historians, I should say. Oh, yeah? He's been described at turns as paranoid, which we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, and also is a little flaky. At the very least, my interpretation of John White is that he didn't stand up to people like maybe he should have. So the, um, the, the sailors that he's with, that he sailed back with provisions to Roanoke with, yeah. said, hey, man, I think a storm's coming. Let's just get out of here. So he never went to Croatoan to find out what happened to the colonists. Yeah, for 15, 21 years, there were no expeditions to find out what happened. It wasn't until Jamestown in 1607 that they finally started looking and then making a habit of when they came across native tribes saying, hey, uh, you seen a bunch of white people Yeah, right. <laughs> around here? Yeah, and, um, and actually there had been some proposed expeditions that people had carried out, but they never actually went to search for them. They just used it as an excuse for piracy. Right. Um, but yeah, once Jamestown settled, one of the one of the main things they did was question local Indians, and they actually got some pretty intriguing answers. Yeah, um, like, well, they also found some pretty intriguing things, like Indians with gray eyes and a boy with blonde hair. Yeah, but in Native American clothing. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, kid, come over here," and the kid takes off. Yeah, they didn't get a chance to question them, right? Right. Um, and these are apparently like eyewitness reports from reliable Jamestown planners. Yeah. Um, so, and then from the local tribes, they found that there were supposedly people who lived in two-story stone structures with thatched roofs. Yeah, very it's English. Totally unique to the English. Yeah. Um, there were supposedly people who spoke English and like read the Bible who lived, you know, further down the coast. But they never found any of them. Yeah, and part of the problem, too, that we should point out is that they aren't exactly sure, because of poor record-keeping, exactly, exactly where the settlement was to begin with. Right. So they didn't know where to look. Um, White, I think, had, had said it was further north on the island, mm-hmm. um, where the original uh, dudes were adventuring. Right. And um, I think a Spanish dude had said, no, it's more toward the center of the island, and they found evidence of like cannons and things there, so they think it might have been there. Yeah, and they think that possibly um, the settlement is now underwater. Like, there's been massive erosion on the island yeah. since the 16th century. It's only 12 miles long, though. But, of course, back then, that's a bigger search area than they were capable of, you know? Yeah. Well, they also think, though, that um, that in the last 400 years, as much as a quarter mile... Um, of the coast? Of the coast is eroded inland. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's very possible the settlement's underwater now. Interesting. I saw a thing on, I watched a little YouTube thing on this. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a silly show, but this, uh, there was one cool part where this, uh, tree expert said that you can drill into the core of a tree and study how much rainfall, um, has, 
that historically that that area has gotten. And they found this, you know, tree that was like 500 years old, mm-hmm. drilled into the core and found that the biggest drought of the past 800 years occurred then. Right. They walked right into it. So it was just not a good situation. Of course, that didn't prove anything, but it was a nice little footnote. Yeah. What was silly about it? Did they, did they break into dance and song here? No, the guy on the show, he's like, you know, one of these like history detectives and he, he rented a, you know, the little paragliders that have a fan attached to your back. He's like, I wanted to get an aerial view. So oh, no. it's like, dude, you just wanted to ride around in that thing. Like you got absolutely nothing from this. I wanted to get an aerial view. Yeah. And afterward we learned nothing about it. He right. was just like, boy, you know, that's a sure good way to see the island. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it was silly. Um, and it was not a Discovery Network, so I can say that. So, so Chuck. Yes, Josh. The colonists are lost. The colony is lost. No one has any idea where it is. And they've even found like parts of the 1585 colony. Yeah, they found the guy's ring, right? Yeah, they found the first scientific laboratory um, ever created in the New World by oh, wow. Thomas Harriet. Huh. Um, so they found like other stuff. They just can't find the 1587 one, which is weird. Um but there are a lot of theories abounding uh, for what happened to the colonists. And I think it's awesome that there are none that fully explain what happened. I love historical mystery. I think yeah. it's cool. I like well, it when is... they're solved, and I like it when they're unsolved. Yeah. This one's like as American as it gets. <laughs> this is an American mystery. That's right. Um, one clue that uh, you know White wrote down a bunch of stuff in a letter, obviously, when he went to check things out. And mm-hmm. one thing he said that is uh, pretty key, was that they moved 50 miles into the main, which everyone took to mean into the main part of North Carolina inland, into the forest. Right. But now they think maybe he meant make to the main toward Chesapeake, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, that, or if um, if you look at the distance between Croatoan and um, Roanoke, it's 50 miles. Yeah. So, so they could have just assimilated with a friendly tribe. Yeah. And... Uh, mixed their races and eventually became an altogether new race of sorts. Well, yeah, and there's actually a tribe that counts um, part of its origin story as the the Roanoke settlers. The Lumbees? The, yeah, the Lumbee tribe of uh, Robeson County, North Carolina. See, this sounds really compelling to me. It does. Um, if you ask the average uh, Lumbee, Depending on who you ask, you're uh-huh. going to get like a, yeah, of course, yeah. or a, no, that's not the case. Oh, really? Yeah. It just depends. The tribe's divided as to it's the, the whether or not the, um, they, the, they assimilated the Roanoke colonists or not. But there are some, there's some pretty tantalizing evidence. For example, apparently as early as 1719, some members of the Lumbee tribe had surnames that were the same as some of the lost colonists, like Hyatt, yeah. Dial, Taylor, I think if a Native American walks to you and says, "Hey, Jim Taylor, nice to meet you," in, se- <laughs> exactly. in 1719, is that Bermuda grass? Like they could read, they could read. You know that stuff turns brown in the winter. Not a fan. Yeah, uh, they all spoke English and could like read and write. I think, right? Yeah, they were familiar with the Bible. Yeah, so come on. Well, here's the thing: um, it, whether or not that is, if if that happened in 1719, yeah. That's pretty compelling evidence, but there was still a hundred years of exposure that could have happened little by little that yeah. you could still account for it. If you ask me, the, I, I think the Lumbee connection's pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting at the very least. Yeah, maybe some of them went that way, you know? It's possible. No one has, no one, you know, do they have to stay together? 
No, not necessarily. But I'm, the, I'm I throwing think this out. with the tribe, it's kind of like, well, these are our origins or they're not our origins. Oh, okay. you know? Well, yeah, that's true. Um, because they're a distinct, they're a distinct group. I get that. As I understand it. Uh, some folks say that they uh, were killed by the Spanish. Um, they definitely knew that they were there because one of the one of the dudes on the Roanoke expedition, when they stopped off in Puerto Rico, said, "Hey, uh, let me get off here because it's really nice." Right. <laughs> That's probably what the real intent was. But um, why, why did he say he was going to stay? Darby Glenn said that he was going to take on supplies. Sure. But either, I, but either I'm, way, I'm going to stay here with the supplies. Yeah, for a while. Either way, he stayed there and told the Spanish, "Hey, yeah, like we're we're settling right up there on that uh, island there in Roanoke." So they knew, Spanish knew where they were for sure. We know that. And here is why that's weird. They weren't supposed to settle in Roanoke. That's right. They didn't know that they were going to settle in Roanoke. No, they weren't supposed to. They were supposed to be in Chesapeake. So right. herein is the first clue to the mystery. So there's a um, John Hop- Johns Hopkins trained anthropologist named Lee Miller who came up with this idea that the Roanoke colony was sabotaged by rivals of Sir Walter Raleigh who resented him for his patent and wanted to get it themselves. And they thought that maybe by proving that he couldn't possibly establish an English um, colony in the New World, they could, they could get the patent. Yeah, and sabotage in the way of their ship's captain, potentially. Was it Fernandez? Yes. Was paid off, maybe. And uh, he did a lot of mysterious things, like took way too much time to do some basic uh, charting and seamanship when it, he should have been. Right. He was super experienced. Well, not only that. Delaying he, things. He knew the area. Yeah. And he spent, I think, 36 days um, off the coast of Cape Fear to get his bearings. Come on. Um, and like we said, that the, the colonists were delivered to the New World after the planting season. Yeah. So they couldn't, there's no way they could plant. During a drought and to an area that was known to be, you know, violent hostile. and hostile. So Right. Roanoke. Some people got off and said, you know what? Everybody get off here. I'll see you guys later. And yeah. he left. And they weren't supposed to be there. And he basically stranded them there yeah. in a hostile area. After planting season and with then limited supplies. This other guy tells the Spanish where they are, maybe as a backup to make sure. Before they ever even went to Roanoke, yeah. they were on their way there. Yeah, so it's definitely hinky. Yeah. And uh, Miller implicates a guy named Francis Wallingsam, I believe. Okay. Um, and basically says this is the guy who was after Sir Walter Raleigh uh-huh. and, and did all this and found that Wallingsam... Uh, rescued Fernandez, the pilot, from being hanged. So Fernandez literally owed reason, yeah. this other guy his life. So who knows what he would have done? Yeah, possibly one of the first conspiracy uh, conspiracies of the New World. Yeah, or of the period. among Europeans in the New World for sure. Um, and uh, Miller also uh, goes on to say that he he thinks probably what literally happened to them, despite whether they were set up or not to fail was that they were caught up in a shift of power among tribes, um, basically from, you know, the friendlies went away, the not friendlies came in, right. and there was a balance of power shifting, and they were kind of right in the middle of that. Well, they walked right into it. If they went into North Carolina in the forest, they walked right into the hands of some very hostile tribes who would have, according to Miller, killed all the men and uh, sold all the women and children into slavery. Right. Um, and that they would have been traded up and down this network that spanned from Florida up to uh, Virginia, the Chesapeake. And 
there's actually really tantalizing evidence. This other mystery. So there's a mystery on a mystery. Yeah. It's, have you heard of the Dare Stones? No. So from 1937 to 1941, uh-huh. 40 stones turned up from the North Carolina area all the way down to the Chattahoochee just outside of Atlanta, uh-huh. almost forming a trail. And they were etched granite stones that were written in Elizabethan English. Oh, wow. And said things like, mark the death of Virginia Dare in 1591. Um, all sorts of different like little messages. It's like the Toynbee Tiles. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> leading from North Carolina to Atlanta, right? And, and supposedly from the, from the late 16th century, yeah. So a lot of these are considered to be fake, if not all of them, right? But Brunel University up in Gainesville has all 40 of them in their collection. Oh, cool! And apparently they're going back and reevaluating them because most people are like, "Those are frauds." Really? The problem is, is the people who turned them up had no, they don't know Elizabeth in English. They didn't, right. they weren't trained in that at all. So it would have been. Right there, kind of tough to to um, carry out that hoax because but, it was Northridge Hicks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but they think that some of the last ones were intentionally like used to discredit people who were accusing Atlanta professors uh, Emory right. of like trying to generate tourism to the uh, area uh, by saying the lost colonists ended up here, so come down here and huh. rent a cabin, you know. But the anyway, the Brunel <laughs> University professors are, are going back and looking at each one on its own merit, right? Rather than related to the other thirty nine of them, from what I understand. Um, so there's the Dare Stones, interesting, and it's possible that it kind of uh, supports Lee Miller's hypothesis yeah. that they were traded and lived and left markings behind, saying, "Hey, we were here." Huh. Well, I know that Miller was frustrated with when was Miller he or she? She, she, yeah, I thought so. When she actually went to Roanoke and was just so frustrated, like, cause it's, you know, like I said, 12 miles by, I think three miles. Yeah. And she was just like, it's small. Like, where is the stuff? Yeah. Like, why can't we find anything? I think it's cause they took off. It'd been taken down. Um, and then did you read this thing that I sent you? The new clue? Yeah. I really had a hard time understanding the significance of it. Are they saying that John White is saying here, this is where they were? I, they I think the here's, main? here's the deal. This, um, a uh, group was established to try and figure this out, of course, uh, and I think they were from England even. Um, and they took a new look. Uh, the, they're called the First Colony Foundation. No, they're from North Carolina. Oh, they are? But they've been working with the British Museum uh, okay. that has that map. So they found the 425-year-old map. They didn't find it. They took a new look at it and found that there were a couple of patches on the map, which basically back then you couldn't erase something and start over. You would do a little patch section and attach that to the map. Uh, one of the patches was um, just a mistake that was being corrected, and the other one didn't appear until they held it in front of a light box. Mm-hmm. So that's very mysterious. And they found evidence that they think concludes that they moved westward up the uh, Albemarle, Albemarle Sound mm-hmm. to the confluence of the Chowan and Roanoke Rivers. And the uh, evidence is because what was covered up was believed to be a symbol of a fort. So what they're saying is his intention, because this was a very detailed map, and it was a very important map. And it was drawn by John White, right? Yeah, drawn by John White. And um, it had been you know, covered up for centuries until they found it, saying it's pretty clear that the intention was, hey, this is where we want to settle. This is where we're going to this fort. So are they saying that John White drew the map, and that was originally where they were going to go before Fernandez stranded them? 
And so that's probably where the colonists went after they left Roanoke? I think so. Okay. I think that's what they're saying. They didn't specifically say that that was their original intent, Mm -hmm. but I think at some point while they were, before he left to go back to England, he said, let's go to this place and establish a fort. So he just didn't write down what he knew well enough. I think so. And um, they say they don't know why it was covered covered over with a patch, mm-hmm. um, but they think that they could start looking there for maybe remnants. Yeah, uh, supposedly the it's under a, a, a subdivision and a golf course right now. <laughs> yeah, so good luck with that. Um, you know, excavating hole nine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, interesting. They seem – I was a little less moved by this like you – they seem to be really like, oh, my God, the mystery has been solved. There yeah. was a, a fort that they said that they were going to establish. Right, and they covered it up with a patch that has a different kind of fort drawn on it. Yeah, it could have been as simple as, you know, maybe they wanted to do that, but then they still ended up, you know, getting taken or yeah. going somewhere else. Yeah. So who knows? We'll never know. We probably will never know. It's going to be one of those enduring mysteries. I love it. I love it too, Chuck. You know? Yeah. You got anything else? Well, I got to solve everything. Uh, people are crazy for that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, they love to know everything. It's like, <laughs> chill out. All in good time. All in 400 and something years. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about the Roanoke mystery, type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. That is R-O-A-N-O-K-E, not Virginia, North Carolina. That's and right. it will bring up this article by me. And since I said me, it's time for message break, which begins with me. Okay, so now listener mail? Yeah. All right, I'm going to call this uh, maybe the biggest nerd ever to write into our show. I love this dude. Actually, he may not be nerdy at all. Hi, guys. It it has to do with D&D again, though. After after listening to D&D podcast, I wanted to share with you how you inspired the creation of Dungeons and Dragon-esque role-playing adventure. <laughs> Two weeks before Christmas vacation last year, I came down with the chicken pox. At 28, uh, it is sort of a medical absurdity um, to every doctor, nurse, and colleague I came into contact with. It's also and really dangerous, though, right? I think it's more... I don't know about dangerous, but I think it's more complicated, for okay. sure, than All right. your kid. Sorry for interrupting. That's okay. Um, two weeks of being stuck at home, trying not to scratch, allowed my imagination to wander. I had a day where I listened to the Singularity, Holographic Environments, and designing our children's podcast. Also, I watched two documentaries on the band Rush and the movie Blade Runner. Wow. This combination of science fiction ideology sparked the idea for a story, but I needed some help writing it, so I created a role-playing game. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons does not lend itself to futuristic technology, so I decided to create my own games and rules. Uh, I used a university as the dungeon, Mm -hmm. college majors as character classes, uh, campus stereotypes as races, Rush song lyrics as puzzles, and Stuff You Should Know podcasts for the storyline. Wow. One example of what we did with it, uh, majors, technology-related field, wizard, nursing, healer, uh, kinesiology, paladin, chemist, rogue thief, biology, druid, music major, bard, theology, monk. I'm just, I have no idea what to even make of that, do you? Yeah. Okay. So, four college boys set out to save the world from Alex Liveson and Getty Lee's genetically engineered Neil Peart and uh, pr- to prevent the singularity from taking over the campus of Illinois State. Wow. Go Redbirds. Uh, other than the odd looks we received from the guy installing window treatments while we were playing, the game was a great success. 
and I introduce four new people to the Stuff You Should Know universe. So thanks for inspiring an awesome day and distracting me from the pots. That is from Matt McCulley, math teacher at Woodstock High School in Illinois, and the cross-country and track coach. Wow. So, dude, I want to see this game. I want to play this game. I want a figurine of me. I <laughs> do, too. Me and Getty Lee, like, fighting druids. Yeah, or fighting one another. Yeah. With druids advancing on you. That's a sticky situation. Yeah, so that's that's quite a game, and that is quite an email, Matt. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. Uh, you may be right, Chuck. Uh, if you want to let us know how nerdy you are or how wonderful your imagination is, I guess is another way to put it. Yeah, we love nerdy qualities, by the way. Yeah. Because we got an email for a young lady that took exception to me saying nerd and making all my little nerd voices. But uh, it's all in good fun. We love it. Yeah. Get a sense of humor, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to let us know how funny you, you are, how imaginative you are, how nerdy you are, whatever, we want to hear it. Um Send us a very creative tweet to SYSK Podcast. Join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And join us on our website, Do It. It's called StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. This podcast is brought to you by BASF, the chemical company.